Uh, it's been, uh, we're going to jump straight into uh, uh, the Word in just a moment but, um, and keep things nice and simple this morning. But it's been uh, more than a few months now, of course, of this new normal that we're living in. Um, it's, and this, these new ways of working, new ways of playing and, and meeting, including this new way of being uh, meeting together as the body of Christ. Um, you may not be aware that this platform that we are using, this church online platform, um, was developed by a church uh, in the United States many years ago. And it's the same church who developed the Bible app, um, the one that you probably have on your phone, the Version Bible app. Most of us have it. And, um, and my faith's actually been really enriched and, and um, grown by the teach, from the teaching of this particular church over the years, Life Church in the States. They actually give away uh, every single one of their ministry resources completely for free and always have done. Um, and in the recent weeks, uh, have invested major time and money into helping churches around the world go online with this platform, this particular platform. It's just an amazing uh, kingdom heart. Um, someone's, um, Johnny's locked out over there if somebody wants to let him back in. <laughs> um, over the Easter weekend, uh, the re- reason I share this is just to share some of the good news of, of what's been happening in the church around the world. Over the Easter weekend, 32,000 services were held using this platform online, and 10 million people attended the online services with, just with this platform. 70,000 people indicated that they were making a first-time decision to follow Jesus over the Easter weekend. And, and this one really blows my mind. Every single country on earth was reached with the gospel during uh, the Easter weekend um, during this, uh, with, with this pl- particular platform. And that's not counting the people who were on Zoom, that many of us have been using Zoom for different, uh, different um, meetings and Facebook Live and that kind of thing. It's not counting that. This is something um, quite incredible that we get to be part of, that every nation in the world is being reached um, online uh, by the church right now with the gospel. And uh, part, the reason I want to share that is just to give thanks for the generosity and kingdom-mindedness of just another church congregation. I'm really grateful for that. And I hope that we can uh, represent and, and, and live out that same kingdom mindset as a congregation here as well in smaller ways. Um, that being said, um, what happens every year after Easter is that church attendance goes down. And more importantly, engagement goes down because we've had Easter, it's been great, and then we kind of just relax a little bit. Um, and you can imagine that this year in particular, as online fatigue uh, sets in, I've heard it called Zoom fatigue, um, it sets in and at this moment, even more so, it's the case that things just kind of, we engage a little bit less during this season um, after Easter. Maybe you're thinking, yeah, you know what, doing church online, it's not really church. And what you might mean by that is, you know, it's not the full experience of church. And I completely agree with you. Uh, it's not the same. I mean, even though I've got my four wonderful um, worship team here, it's just not the same as, the, as, as Sunday morning in person. So I completely agree with you. But the following is also true. Sunday celebrations in person are not the full experience of church either. The church is not, certainly not a building. It's not even a gathering. Church is not a worship session. Church is not even worship plus 
kids' talk plus sermon plus prayer plus communion plus fellowship and good morning tea and coffee afterwards. All of those things are important and part of the life of the church. But the church is far more than any one of those things or even all of them combined because that's all just in one or two hours on one morning a week. But the truth is that we are the church. We are the church. And this situation that we're in right now is providing us with an opportunity to really learn that again, to, to lay down what in practice we often considered the church to be a gathering on one day a week, and, and to rediscover what it means to be the church every minute of every day. It also means that this new way of gathering, uh, of reaching people online, even though we're in the room with, uh, here, here this morning, it's not a poor substitute for the real thing that we're just going to toss aside once social distancing restrictions are lifted. We now, because this is what, of what this has forced us into, have the opportunity to bring the gospel to people online on Sunday mornings for the foreseeable future. And, and that's because this crisis has, has brought about the opportunity for us to learn how to do this worship online easily and efficiently. Um, but that's for another time. Uh, to, to think about, well, how, what might that look like for us? Um, right now, I want to take the focus off of Sundays and actually ask you to come on a bit of a journey with me in something that's far more about the every single day, the every day rather than just an hour or two per week. Let me first pray, and then we're going to hear our Bible reading, which has been pre-recorded for us, uh, and get into the Word for today. Father, thank you so much that uh, you are here amongst us where two or three are gathered, whether that be in person or online, that even those of us who are on our own at home right now, that we are with you, that you are with us, and that we can stay connected to you in this time. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to learn how to do that, how to position ourselves how to place ourselves such that we are connected to you, Jesus. And as we journey together, learning what it looks like to be the church in this season, every single minute, every single day, we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, that we would hear your voice so clearly in this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's hear our Bible reading. John 15, verses 1 to 17. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. 
I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments, and I remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you all the Father told me. You didn't choose you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. John. Alrighty. So uh, before this coronavirus stuff all happened, this, this passage of scripture was one that um, I just could not get off my mind. Uh, the beginning of John chapter 15. Every time I would sort of sit down to pray or ask God, what do, you, what do you want me to say, God? What do you, what, what do you want to say to me, God? Sorry. Um, it was John 15. What do I need to learn in 2020, God? What's, what's a kind of a keep? John 15. Uh, what do you want me to do, God? John 15. Hi, God. How are you? This John 15. It was just always John 15, John 15. I shared this with our team earlier this year and felt it was both me personally needing to hear this, but also for us as a church. And, and I started to plan for us to focus on this passage in June onwards this year after we celebrated our 20th birthday celebration. But I'm kind of embarrassed to say that it took me until really this week to actually sit down uh, and read it and, and study it because I know the passage fairly well. And, and I've spent lots of time in, in recent years learning how the principles in this passage shape our, our faith, why this passage is significant, how to apply it. And, and so I kind of was like, well, I know it's John 15. I've, I've spent lots of time with this. I hadn't bothered to reread it and, and study it again with fresh eyes. Once I finally did that, I realized, wow, this, this really is not just another passage of Scripture for so many reasons, and I begin to discover, again, its importance and its value. I want to share with you uh, some really, I guess, raw and initial thoughts this morning, but then really in invite you to come on a journey over the next month or so with all of us together um, that I'll call Remain. Remain in me, Jesus says. Remain in me. Uh, other translations use the word abide, abide in me. Uh, we don't use that word anymore. It's just not in our vocabulary. We don't say, you know, okay, you go out for a walk. I'll abide here at the house. We just don't say that. We say, I'll remain here at the house or I'll, I'll, I'll stay here, right? Hashtag stay home, right? Save lives. Uh, so what does it mean to stay, to remain, not at home, but in Jesus? And why is this so important? Well, the metaphor, let's start there. The metaphor Jesus uses is that he is a vine. 
right? So the metaphor is of, of a vine and branches and grapes. So he is a vine. Uh, we are connected to him, and God the Father is the vine dresser or the gardener, lovingly like tending to um, and, and the vine and its branches. And, and that because the life that flows through the branches to grow and bear fruit comes from the vine that we're connected to, then we need to remain, stay connected to that vine. Otherwise, there's no source of life and we would just wither and die and we certainly wouldn't bear any fruit. It's important to take a, a bit of a look at the context and background uh, to this, even if we're really familiar with the metaphor. This is really significant. First of all, this is the last of the I am statements of Jesus in John's Gospels. You guys might have heard of some of the other I am statements where Jesus says, I am, dot, dot, dot. I am the good shepherd. I am, and then he describes something or uses a metaphor. And all of them are, are, are statements that assert his divinity and his claim to be in the Trinitarian community, the Godhead. Because in the Old Testament, God says, I am who I say I am. So when Jesus says I am, it's, it's, it's big. It's, he's saying I'm a big deal. I'm actually God. This is the final I am statement and the most profound in all of John's gospel because for the Jews, God's people, his chosen people at the time, for them, Israel, the people of Israel, was the vine. It was participation in the rituals and the religious life, the, the sacrifices, the temple worship, all of the stuff that they would do that meant that they would be connected to the vine. So if they were connected to Israel, then therefore they would be bearing in their mind the fruit of the kingdom of God. Around the time of the Passover, which was just a few weeks ago, some of us would have uh, maybe even celebrated the Passover um, and before we went into Good Friday and Easter Sunday, the Jews would head to the temple in Jerusalem. They would walk through a gate that had this imagery engraved on it. It would have this large vine with fruit, this picture, this, this visual symbolic imagery right in front of them as they headed towards the temple. A reminder that through their worship as Jews, they were connected to the true God. So for Jesus to say, I am the true vine, I am the true vine, is absolutely huge for them. One of the most well-regarded commentaries on the Gospel of John uh, is the one by Don Carson. He's a, a well-known theologian scholar, and he writes this. He says, Jesus has already, in principle, superseded the temple, superseded the Jewish feasts, Moses, Moses is a pretty big deal to the Israelites, various holy sites, and here he supersedes Israel itself as the very locus of the people of God. The reason that I believe this claim of Jesus is so significant for us is that the most fundamental questions we're all asking are, what is the source of my meaning? How am I deriving power to live? And what fruit or outcomes am I wanting to see in my life? In other words, what vine do I want to connect myself to? Where is life itself coming from? What's going to allow me to produce good fruit? What vine am I connected to? So we all seek out a vine. We all go to something or someone or something or some place or whatever it might be 
to help us be productive, to help us be fruitful. And it means we gravitate towards, we invest in, we work towards particular vines, quote-unquote, that we desire to draw life from. We'll move our family or our, or for a better job, or we'll sacrifice things in order to win someone's love and affection. Maybe the vine is a job, maybe it's a person, maybe it's that we work hard to achieve status or promotion or approval. All of these things are not bad, right? Those are, they're good things. But Jesus' claim is that only he, only Jesus is that source which can give us what we're looking for. He says he's the true vine. And one of the most common substitutes that Jesus has to address in the Jews and in our lives, one of the most common substitute vines, which many other vines could easily fall under as well, is the religious vine, which says trying to live, we're trying to live up to standards of righteousness to please God or others. That's the religious vine. It's what we see in the rest of the story that I shared on Easter Sunday about the father's heart for his young son. You remember, you guys remember that story where it's um, his the, the younger son has, has run away, squandered everything, but the father welcomes him back with open arms. But then we hear about the older son who says, I've worked for you all these years. You've never thrown me a party, and now this son of yours comes back from wild living and you just kill the fattened calf for him? Like, he doesn't deserve it. How many of you guys got a sibling who, you know, doesn't deserve it? No, no, I won't ask you that. It's the belief, this religious Vine is the belief of doing the right thing, being good enough, pleasing God enough will be the thing that I derive meaning from and power to live so that when I'm approved by God because of being good enough, then I can experience the fruit of joy in my life. But that is not what remaining in Jesus the vine is. Remaining in Jesus is not connecting ourselves to the vine of religion, life, and meaning derived from standard of righteousness. Jesus says that won't bear fruit. The good news, though, is that if Jesus is the one we remain in, the source of our life, it's not what we invest in. It's not what we put our energy into. It's, it's not what we work hard at. It's what he invests in us. It's what he works into us. It's what he releases into us. It's, uh, it's actually mind-blowingly good news to know this. Remain in me, Jesus says, and remain in my love and you will bear much fruit. You will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow, Jesus says. But Jesus' message here is not remain in me as one of the many sources of life you can connect to. It's actually this. Remain in me and only in me. Jesus is not kind of putting himself forward as another option in the buffet. He's actually replacing the vine that the Jews previously went to. And this is his invitation to us to make him the only vine we connect ourselves to, the only one or thing we remain in. So, a couple of things I wanted to cover this morning as an introduction to spending time with this passage and this concept. Uh, firstly, what is he actually inviting us into? What does this primarily look like? 
to, to remain in Jesus the vine. And then I'll share a few brief thoughts on that as well as what might be the hurdle, a big hurdle that gets in the way for us to uh, spend time remaining in Jesus. And then we'll go deeper into this throughout the month of May. So firstly, remaining in the vine. What is it? Well, in short, it's relationship and responsibility side by side. The extraordinary thing about this invitation uh, to remain in Jesus is that the Trinitarian love between the Father and the Son, the, the love within God himself, is extended to us. Jesus says this, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love when you obey my commandments. You remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. It's incredible, right? I mean, he's saying it's not just some hard work, some you've got to push harder, you've got to have this religious duty that you've got to push through. It's a relationship. It's intimacy with Jesus at its core. It's allowing ourselves to be loved and obeying or doing only in response to a complete approval and affection that's already been expressed to us. It's not always easy for us to grasp. Um, this year I've been learning um, that there are certain things that become ingrained in our mind during childhood. Um, we've all had uh, different experiences growing up, um, but there are so many things that we often need to unlearn later in life, beliefs that were formed when we were younger. I learned in childhood, I don't know if you guys were the same in any way, but I learned in childhood to associate affirmation and love with achievement. I'm just kind of beginning to understand this. And it wasn't because my parents um, or other people didn't love me. Hi, Mum and Dad. I know you're watching right now. Um, uh, they love me really well, but because certain experiences, some of them good, some of them bad, many of them unintentional, led me to believe that my value was connected to how well I performed. For me, that was achievements in, in sport and music and academics. And I came to believe over time that they gave me value. Maybe for you it was pleasing your parents. Maybe it was doing what they valued most, uh, even if it wasn't what you valued most. Maybe it was living up to the expectations of a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a partner somewhere along the line. Or maybe it was fitting in with a certain crowd at school. Whatever it is, and however deep down it's buried, you may be 67 years old and there's still stuff from way back in your childhood that has formed your ingrained beliefs. However deep down it's buried, what Jesus does is he subverts this saying, Keep my commandments and remain in my love. Not keep my commandments and if you do, I'll love you. That's a different thing. His love is constant. And the obedience, our responding, our living it out, comes from and comes alongside the intimacy. And this is the gospel. This is the good news. He loves us unconditionally. But it's also a massive mind and heart shift for many of us that his love is not conditional. Let me say that again. His love is not conditional. And we may say, yeah, I believe that. But in our hearts, maybe we're still struggling to believe that. That this intimacy with Jesus, this remaining close to him, is the only thing that will produce good fruit in our lives. It's remaining in his love and it's remaining in 
or if you like, absorbing his word, remaining in his love, remaining in his word. Jesus says, if my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. This is because what he says about us and to us must sink deep into our hearts. So this is not about if we're talking about Scripture as God's Word to us. It's not about memorizing it and familiarizing it just so that we can uh, quote it really easily and have really good theology or something like that. It's about Scripture getting into our spirit so that we are better acquainted with Him and understand better what He thinks about us. Uh, I talked about this a little on Easter Sunday, that the Word of God in a season like this, I don't know if you guys have found this, but it becomes a constant. Everything else is changing around us and going a bit haywire, and the Word becomes something steadfast and sturdy, like a rock in the midst of everything else. And what God, Because what God says doesn't change, right? And what God feels about us doesn't change. I love what Pastor John Tyson says, uh, God never tells you to build your relationship with Him on how you feel about him. We're all created to remain in how he feels about us. The question is, do we genuinely believe that? Absorbing more and more of his word will help us believe it and it will help us know what he thinks about us. Um, I love this. Charles Horton Cooley has a concept called the looking glass self. And he says this, I am not what I think I am, And I am not what you think I am, or what you think I am. I am what I think you think I am. Now, I may need to say that again. It's a bit of a confusing one. I am not what I think I am, in my mind. I am not what you, Johnny, or you, Joy, think I am. I am what I think you think I am. See, it doesn't matter what God says about you if you don't believe it if you don't think that that's what he thinks about you. So we need his word. We need his voice even more inside of us, what he's saying about us. And what I'm hoping is that we can learn how to really practice this this intimacy with Jesus and this familiarity with his word in the coming month. But I think we need to start by recognizing what can really get in the way of that. This is what abiding looks like to remain in his love, remain in his word. And we'll explore that more in coming weeks and all the different parts of what that looks like. But um, what gets in the way? Well, we live in a world of options, right? We have so many choices of just about everything, not just the things we need, but the things we want as well. And so we're conditioned not to choose any particular one thing as exclusive because you don't need to make any one thing your one choice you can have a bit of this a bit of that you don't have to live in the same house all your life you don't have to eat the same food all your life you don't have to go to the same church for uh for any length of time you we've got options except that when COVID-19 restrictions started to kick in all of a sudden some of our choices disappeared There was only one brand of toilet paper left on the toilet paper aisle. Now, it's a silly example, but we we were encouraged, for example, to stay home. Even my Telstra um, reception indicator on my phone says, Telstra, hashtag stay home at the moment. What should we do today? Stay home. Remain indoors. Surely that's not so bad, right? Don't know how you guys are going, but we can find ways to entertain ourselves. Well, I'll tell you, after a couple of weeks, remaining tied to the one thing, the one place, 
when we used to have diversity and choice, one thing starts to become hard. to It doesn't fulfill us anymore because that choice, that diversity is gone. And, and I think we've been conditioned this way and it's why I think we tend to read this passage in one of two ways. On the one hand, we either write, read it saying, oh, Jesus is saying, remain in me along with all the other things that you seek life and meaning from. I'm just a good addition. That's not what he's saying. The other way we read it is this. We understand what he's saying, that, that um, he alone is the one vine we need, but when we, we read that, we don't see how that could possibly be true. We struggle to, to believe that that could really be the case. How can Jesus alone and remaining in his love be the only thing which results in the fruit I desire in my life. We've been conditioned to think in such a way that Jesus' claim to be exclusively what we need and want may take some time for us to really, really believe. I mentioned earlier that John 15 had been just so strongly on my mind earlier this year. I was planning for us, as I said, to do a series uh, on this as a church in June, right after our birthday. Um, our birthday celebration probably delayed now, but it was going to be May 31st. And as we were going to head into a new, fresh season, I wanted to go, yeah, let's start this season from a place of remaining in Jesus, not jumping headfirst into lots of doing, but stopping and listening and remaining. And I was thinking about this and going, okay, great. I've, I've got a couple of months at least to really practice this myself how I can improve my own prayer life in these next few months so that I can stand in front of you, my congregation, and say, look at the success I've had and let me help you learn from what I've learned. Um, I'm a bit arrogant, I know. Instead, I'm starting to... I'm, I'm standing here feeling a bit like an amateur, if I'm really honest. Like, I feel like I know the principle. Remain in Jesus. But struggle every single day to put it into practice. And I think that's because I struggle to believe that it's really true. I have a sense that most of you feel the same. Let me share with you my greatest fear in this. My fear is that if I do this, if I give my time, my energy, my mental capacity, my effort to remaining in Jesus, or rather if I relax my effort and my energy and allow myself to simply remain in Jesus, to remain in his love. My fear is that I'll have wasted time. That in giving time to something that doesn't seem to be productive to me, that I won't therefore produce, that I won't bear fruit. In other words, I fear because I don't always believe that Jesus' words here are true. Let me share with you what so often my actions say I actually believe. The Gospel of Me, chapter 15. Remain in me and I will... Sorry, remain in busyness and hard work and productivity. And productivity will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's just sitting there and you cannot bear fruit uh, be fruitful unless you remain focused on the task at hand. Yes, there are many vines. 
and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will feel happy but probably won't get far in life. For if you spend all your time praying, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not do something of substance is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Now, of course, I wouldn't say I believe that. That would be heresy. It's the complete opposite of what Jesus has said. But the problem is that so often it's actually our actions that tell us what we believe. That's what I'm wrestling with, that my actions, how I spend my time so often, says that I believe this alternate gospel, that on my own, doing things in my own strength is what bears good fruit. But that is not what Jesus says is true. He says that when we remain in him, and only in him, that we will bear fruit. And that it won't always be easy. We'll actually be pruned, trimmed, which I believe is what he's doing in the church across the world right now and in our hearts, trimming away the stuff that doesn't need to be there so we can grow stronger in him and bear the fruit of the kingdom of God. There's so much more to explore and practice in this, in this passage today. It's just an introduction and we'll keep moving through this in, in coming weeks. But I want to finish by inviting you this morning on a journey in this coming month at least Learning together to remain in Him every day. Not just a sermon series to come back to every Sunday, but a daily walk with Jesus. I'm talking about a commitment to learn, to practice, to share what you're learning with others and to do this together because we don't actually remain in Jesus alone. It happens in community, however small or big that community is. Each day we'll be in contact digitally. Um, Sometimes it'll just be a, a simple encouragement. Other times we'll request uh, in the messages we send for you to share um, what you're learning or or pray for something. And together we're just going to see where this leads. But what I want to ask you today is quite simply, do you wish to choose this? To remain in Jesus and only in Jesus in this next season. It's a choice that we have. And if that's you, I want you to ask you to indicate, yes, I want to remain in Jesus. I want to ask you to click the button or, or type it in the chat. Yes, I want to learn and practice remaining in Jesus, staying connected to him. Maybe you can say it to a family member sitting next to you. Yes, I really I know this is what the Lord's saying to me right now. The Holy Spirit is saying, this is the journey for me. And then we're going to just pray for each other this morning. Jesus, help us to remain in you. Pray that over one another. If you're at home on your own, then pray that in the chat over to my my left or below me. Uh, If you are with your family this morning, pray for each other that the Lord, that God would help us to remain in Jesus and learn what that looks like and also to really believe that it's worth it, that when we remain in him, only then do we bear fruit. So let's pray. Father, as we now take this time to bless each other in prayer, praying over one another that you would teach us to remain, to abide, to stay connected to you, Jesus, that we would believe this is what we are called to do, that you would help that unbelief in our hearts be be, uh, pushed out, 
that we would trust completely in you and that we would know you will bear good fruit in us when we do this. Father, I pray that as the gardener, the vine dresser, you would continue to help us to be positioned in such a way that we are deeply connected to Jesus and that everything else in our life on our branch would be pruned away, would be trimmed away, that nothing would remain but us and our connection to you. As we pray for each other now, Lord, we pray your Holy Spirit would fill us and empower us to do this thing you have called us to do, to remain in your love and to remain in your word. Let's continue to pray, friends, and we'll be back in a few minutes to wrap up the service.